Get out the way. Who got a watch? Who got the time? I'm raising the clock. Even in my feelings, grind don't stop. Got big Hi, Honesty. How are you? Hi, good. How are you? Great, great. Today we have Honesty Leller with us. Um, and she is the CEO of the McShin Foundation. So go ahead and tell us about yourself, Honesty. I love your name, by the way. Oh, sure. Thanks. Yeah, my daddy named me after a Billy Joel song. It's kind of a sad, depressing song, but um, I love it now. So I'm Honesty Liller. I am a woman in recovery from a substance use disorder, specifically heroin addiction for over 16 years. So May 27, 2007 is my recovery date and I haven't used drugs and alcohol since then. And I am the CEO of the McShin Foundation. And what does the McShin Foundation do? We are Virginia's leading recovery community organization. So we're an accredited RCO here in Richmond, Virginia. What we do is we help humans that have substance use disorders as well. We have 16 certified uh, through VAR recovery houses. So we have 153 beds total uh, for people that have addiction, as well as two judicial programs. So we go into two local jails and provide peer-to-peer -peer recovery support services for those that are incarcerated. And then with the hopes of them to transition to our housing when they exit incarceration, we have family programs. Uh, we've been around since 2004, so we just celebrated 19 years. And we have staff, all of our staff are in recovery themselves. So it's lived experience and a lot, it's probably like 89% of our staff are alumni from our program. Oh, wow. That's great. Yeah. So you mentioned that you've been in recovery for 16 years. Do you mind sharing a little bit about your story? Oh, sure. Yeah, no, I'm an open, I just, I wrote a book, so I'm an open book. Um, okay. Yeah. So um, I started using drugs when I was 12 years old and I was really just smoking marijuana and doing some acid and just kind of drinking just to fit in. I never really liked myself as a child. Um, I was raised in an environment that wasn't really cohesive for children um, some of the time. So I just started using at a very young age. And then after like the partying like went down, like it, I found um, I found other people that were doing heroin. So I started using heroin when I was 17. And that's like really when I realized, A, I was in love with it. I fell in love with it. I remember on my mom's front porch the first time I used it, even though it was forever ago, but I remember that first day. So heroin and opiates take over your opiate receptors in your brain. And I remember that day, like I fell in love with it that day and I didn't get sick or anything in the beginning. So I overdosed a few months later after that and got brought back to life with a medication called Narcan Naloxone. It's an opiate re uh, reversal drug. And then that's when my parents found out I was on drugs because I was 17 and I was in the ER. So they have to call your parents. And then for nine more years, I used heroin and other opiates, but specifically heroin. I tried every form of treatment there was back then. I did Jesus 12 step. I had these implants to block it. Um, and then through that um, period of time, those nine years, I got pregnant with my daughter and I had my daughter when I was 21 years old. Mm -hmm. And she was um, substance, substance exposed. She, um, I used heroin my whole pregnancy. So she was wow. born, um, you know, with drugs in her system. And yeah, so it was a lifestyle that some people, they just cannot control. I, I got full blown addicted to heroin and other opiates. So it wasn't just like recreational at first, like the first 
for, I can't even tell a year maybe, but then you start getting dope sick and it attacks your central nervous system. So I was doing everything I could every single day, robbing, stealing name, like honesty. I lied every day of my life to get, you know, $5, you know, when you're dope sick, you don't care um, about anyone around you as long as you can, we call it getting well. So just kind of being normal. Um, and it, it was, it was a disaster. It was a horrible life for a very long time until I found Mixion Foundation. Well, I, I was going to ask what made you take that step? I mean, was there some point where you realized, okay, I need to do this, but that <laughs> is different than doing it. <laughs> you know, right. what, what finally was, I have to do this. So like, it wasn't really what, why I found McShin is my stepmom um, knew the co-founder uh, of the organization. And honestly, I just wanted medication so I could not go into withdrawal. So he knew a doctor uh, that could get me like medication that day. And my plan was to detox and leave like after a week. That was the plan because I had a then boyfriend um, also addicted. So I just was going to take the medication and run off into the sunset with him. The, the, the tons of times we tried to do it and were very unsuccessful. But this time living in that house, something happened. Um, you know, my stepmom, I'll never forget this too. She came to my apartment. Everybody had already given up on me, which, which God bless them. I put them through hell for years. Um, really nine. They didn't know about the first, you know, five, but so my family just kind of gave up and, um, she just, I remember, I don't remember exactly. It was, it was a few cuss words, I'm sure, but just kind of yelled at me and said, this is your life. Like, let's do this last thing. And then after this, you're done. Like, you got to figure out, figure it all out. So when I came to McShen, I had nothing. I had a couple garbage bags full of clothes. I did not have my daughter. My mom had her. She was five years old. I just left my daughter with my mom while I was using and just really no hope. I hated myself, the shame and guilt that comes as being a woman and um, the negative outlook on addiction as women that are addicted is still so high, unfortunately. Mm -hmm. And, um, something happened in that house. I just, every day turned into a week, turned into a month. Um, and I ended up living there for five months. So that peer to peer connection is, uh, what, what helped to save my life. Wow. Um, so you talk, you're talking about your addiction. Can you mm -hmm. just explain addiction Give us a little bit of background on how addiction works, maybe, or just explain it a little bit more. Sure. So, I mean, there's all types of addiction now, not just drug or alcohol addiction. Um, so I, specifically for me and like the humans that we serve, it's really, it is obsessive compulsive. Nothing can get in your way, no matter what it is. You're just so focused on what that drug is, what that thing is. Um, you know, I know people that are addicted to, to working out and obsessive because they hate their bodies. Like there's a lot, but drug addiction, obviously, um, there are hundreds of deaths every single day across the world, you know, so it's a little different than exercising. Um, well, a lot different. So it is just, it's it's really that's the biggest word is the obsessive you know the the obsession of you gotta have it you gotta have it and then once your body and everything that's going on in your body really attaches to something and then your brain attaches to it you you're just so unfocused with job or children or anything going on in your life you have 
to do whatever it takes to get that thing, get that fixed, get whatever that is. Um, and you're not going to let anyone stand in your way. You know, and a lot of people now, because I've been around for 16 years now, but a lot um, since this big, I feel it was, it's been an opiate epidemic way longer than these past five years that it's been publicized. Um, so, you know, now it's like so many, I call them kids, you know, that are getting addicted to the pain meds because they have a sports injury or they had their wisdom teeth pulled and they're getting 60, you know, Oxycontins or whatever. Um, so the past, you know, five years obviously have been way more overdoses and deaths. Um, and so many more younger people are getting addicted as well. So it's just, it takes over your mind, body, and soul, and you will do whatever you have to do um, to to get what you want. So that brings up a really good question. Uh, the McShin Foundation, is there a program for young people, like maybe under 17 or, yeah, is there a program for young people? So no, we used to have, so we had a, a recovery like hybrid high school, um, the one of the first ever in Virginia. So it was awesome and successful. It definitely had its challenges, but it had, they were all on homeschool. So their teacher would come in. So it wasn't like an, a legit um, school. It was just a hybrid uh, McShin Academy. So that was awesome. We had um, seniors graduate. It was like eight at a time um, for those three years. Um, and some are really doing college and doing really well. We don't, um, you have to be 18 to live in our housing. Um, you, that's the biggest part. But now we do have babies. So we opened our first pregnant and parenting recovery house. So we have a, a two month old, a one year old, a two year old and a three year old. So we're, we're, shaping the next generation of that um and hopefully um taking away that um generational you know addiction through that family but we we talk to teenagers all the time um and their their families will bring them to our offices and kind of sit outside of our door and leave their child with us and we kind of go over that um but other than that no we don't have a specific program anymore um but but Richmond does have um, a huge recovery high school now, an official high school, which is awesome. So you can check that out. That's in Chesterfield, Virginia. So yeah, I mean, we, we, we try to help people any any way we get. And also, I believe prevention is helping the their parent if their parent is addicted. So that's really huge too. Mm -hmm. Absolutely. Um, so what advice do you have for family or friends of people who are addicted to drugs? So for family members that are trying to help an individual that is addicted, like, don't give up, like, keep going to your resources, you know, Google is your actual friend in this situation. Look at the reviews of the places that you're sending your loved one to, because there are unfortunately places that are not safe and not cool to go to, um, across the country, but definitely the reviews, um, check them out on social media, see what they're posting, see what other people are saying, like really do your research. Don't just do the top one that has all the paid ads. Like I would, I would really start researching because you're sending the human that you love 
somewhere to potentially save their life. So um, that's one big suggestion. And then, you know, your local community service boards, you can go there for free and just get information. And well, hopefully in your town, you have those. Um, mm -hmm. And then really get people involved that love that person that you're trying to help. You know, um, I know for me, it was many of people that tried to get me into recovery. And, you know, once I got into recovery, it was like so much more support and support um, for me and my daughter. So it really, it really opened doors in so many levels. As far as the person that is addicted, like, don't give up on yourself. Like, for me, I hated myself when I came to McShen. I mean, literally could not look in a mirror. Like, just the things that I did. And a lot of it's in my book, too. But things that I did to myself, my body as a woman, you know, to my child. And it's like, it's okay. Like, you really need to just start somewhere, whether it's McShen or a place like McShen or 12-step or Jesus and faith-based or whatever. It's like, you got to start somewhere. You have to do something because life is too short and it's really miserable living a life in addiction. We mm. think in the beginning, I thought like, oh, I looked cute and like, this is great. But then once you start getting addicted and dope sick and stealing, and it's like, then you just keep going because it's just, you feel like crap about yourself, you know, um, and you're dope sick or whatever you're detoxing off of. So it's really like learning how to love yourself and forgiving yourself, but start somewhere. You have to start somewhere because, you know, you have the rest of your life here, you know? Yeah. One of my questions, and you brought this up with um, family and friends just being there and not giving up, mm -hmm. interventions. I mean, mm -hmm. do they, do you still, do you suggest them? Do they work? How do you feel about them? Uh, my family tried that on me, not with like a professional, but just showing up at my door. Um, oh, it was a mess. Um, it did not work out for me, the first one. Um, they never really did any other ones after that besides my mom in the parking lot that day. And I ended up coming to McShin, but we've never had like a professional or whatever. Um, but I do know we do those at McShin. So we our intervention we don't really like claim we're interventionists but we definitely do it like the family member we every human that we serve we try to get them in front of us not just over the phone or text or we want someone in front of us whether it's the family member or them but specifically those that are addicted so we've had some some great ones and not so great ones we've had people storm out we've had people cry we've had people cuss us out you know it just depends on the situation but if someone has the time and willingness, again, use your tools and look, if you're looking for an interventionist, also look for reviews and stuff like that. Really research the person before you um, choose them because there are, um, again, some stuff, you know, throughout the, the nation that's shady. Um, yeah. But I really, truly believe that they do work. They do work. You take the time and energy, whether you write the letter or you just kind of sit and talk to the person. So that's what we don't do the letters. We don't do the cameras. We don't do any of that. We just yeah. have them in our offices, talk it out. And then the family members like have to set up their boundary. Like you stay here at McShen and you're not getting your car back or you stay here at McShen or whatever the case, it's every single person that comes to McShen, no matter, we all have the disease of addiction, but there's so many factors in every single person's life that you just don't know. Um, yeah. But I'm pro trying whatever it takes to save a life. Yeah. 
Yeah. Um, so you mentioned, tell us about the services specifically, if you can, that mm-hmm. McChin offers. Sure. So we have two program houses. One, the female program house, I call it McFarm. They have chickens. Um, a lot of the women are moms that don't have custody of their children. So we got chickens out there. So it just gives them a chance to like take care of something before they get their child back. And then we provide certain services for both of those houses. So whether we uh, have partners that are CSAC, which is a certified substance abuse counselor, trauma therapy counselors, we use a lot for the women. There's recovery yoga, there's writing classes. There's, um, they actually went rock climbing today, the women. Uh, We do whitewater rafting, we do um, sound healing and a lot of wellness now. We've evolved to a lot of wellness. Um, but they do go to 12-step meetings. They do um, have faith-based. They have Bible studies. So they have smart recovery option, Dharma, which is like a Buddhist um, recovery now. So they kind of have all kinds of other options. And then we have a house leader that lives in the house with them. Most are staff. Some are just someone that's lived in there for a long time. Um, and they're just stepping up to be that because we're peer run. So all of us are peers. Um, so it's someone that manages, you know, the house while they live there. So there's, you know, curfew, you, you, the first 28 days, you can't go anywhere without someone else in the house. There's like a stack of rules and policies that we have, um, which I appreciate. And, um, then we have a female program manager and a male program manager that oversees all of the houses. So we have 10 male and six female and, Mm -hmm. Then we do um, outings and stuff like that too. We do events like this month is recovery month. So we have five events this month. So we're one event down, one this Saturday, and then we have three more this month. Um, So just really providing a fun, like just show them that recovery rocks and it's fun too. It's not just, this is, you know, a place where you can't use drugs and alcohol anymore. It's more of like teaching them life skills and teaching them how to love themselves and heal their families. So we Mm -hmm. have a big family component. We have a CSAC that runs our family program and really dives into like, what is my child or loved one going through while they're in McShin, when they get out of McShin. Um, we have a ton of alumni, parents that, you know, are still years later, still super active in that. Mm-hmm. Um, and then the jail programs, we go into two local jails and we just provide peer-to-peer recovery support services. So we just teach them how to stay off drugs and alcohol, but also again, like that shame and guilt and just trauma and everything involved in that. We just, we're hope dealers. So I have that, like we're hashtag hope dealers. Uh, A lot of us used to be drug dealers, but now we're hope dealers. (laughs) Um, So we just deliver hope on a day-to-day basis. I mean, we're open 365 days a year. We do not close. Addiction doesn't stop because it's Saturday and Sunday. Mm -hmm. And um, we just, in our recovery center is, you know, huge. We have 15,000 square feet actually in a, on this, um, in a church at Hatcher Memorial Baptist church. And so all day long, there's either groups or 12 step meetings or fun activities. It just all depends on what day of the week. Cause we do wellness and all of that too. And then we have volunteers that come in and do Bible studies. So it's a mixture. Um, but our biggest thing is just doing the best we can to keep them alive and teach them tools on how to live a life without drugs and alcohol. So what suggestions do you have for loved ones when 
their addicted family member or friend comes home or leaves the recovery facility. Yeah. Yeah. So I, when I moved out of McShin, my daughter was five and my older sister let us live with her. So it was a lot of questions and I had to accept that. Like as the human that has the addiction, like I had to accept I've been lying and cheating and stealing forever, for years, for 14 years. So I had to accept like she was going to ask me a lot of questions. Mm -hmm. So it's really the accountability piece and your boundaries. Set your boundaries upon that person coming back. Like for my family, some of them drink alcohol. They really made a point. I mean, alcohol really wasn't my jam. I mean, I did drink it a ton, um, but they really made it a point, especially early on to like not drank a ton of alcohol in front of me or certain family occasions, they didn't have any alcohol or whatever, you know, like little things like that is what we try to teach family members, like to remember, you know, just because you're okay, doesn't mean your son or daughter or friend or whatever is okay with alcohol. So it's really like setting up the whole unit before they leave. Of So they have to do transition plans and exit plans. It's like a five or six page sheet of like all mm. of their plans of what they're going to do, how the family's going to be interactive. And then all of us have to sign it. At least like six of us have to sit them down, go over everything and sign it and, and stuff like that. Um, but really provide a safe atmosphere, but also set your boundaries. So if so-and-so comes home, you know, what is their plan? Are they going to be in 12 step? Well, if they're in 12 step, then the family loved one, not to micromanage everything, but it's, they have the right to say how many meetings, a week did you go to today? I mean, this is my opinion. Like, I think the stuff that we do and the damage that we do, and then we go back home to the humans that we did that to, it's up to us also to like give them that respect of, okay, I'm in recovery now. It doesn't mean we're getting keys to the castle, but it definitely means we have to be accountable to them because we put them through hell forever, you know, or even if it wasn't five months, whatever. So it's really asking questions, but also giving them a the person with substance use disorder, um, addiction, you know, uh, an opportunity to breathe because I have seen that kind of backfire families just hovering and, oh my gosh, he's 20 minutes late or whatever. Um, mm -hmm. and it all just depends on the family, you know, in the unit, but it's definitely like, you got to give them a little bit to breathe as well as keeping them accountable. So the holidays are coming up. Yeah. What advice do you have for loved ones of someone who's addicted? But also, I guess what I really want to ask for a person that's suffering from addiction, mm -hmm. right? And as the holidays come up and there, it might be in their mind, I want to do rehab. I want to, you know, but then again, sometimes people depress, holidays depress people. What mm -hmm. kind of suggestions do you have for them as the holidays are rounding the corner? Sure. So for us, we have a ton of events. I love Christmas. I'm already listening to Christmas music. My husband hates it. Um, not music, but just uh, do it so early. Um, so we have a ton. We have Santa. We have everything. We keep it so much fun at McShen. It's just food and just festivities and stuff. Um, but it is one of the biggest uh, reoccurrence of use times of the year. Um, it definitely is. It is, it is um, depressing, but also like if our we call them participants if their family isn't talking to them so then this is what we do if, if they want to go home you take a buddy with you like if some of the buddies 
their family doesn't talk to them right now. So we, we call it the herd. So we all try to stay in the herd and provide a safe atmosphere, whether it's our house or a different loved one or another participant's house, but really like find people that are safe, that if you're gonna do any activities or go to any holiday parties, please find someone that's safe, that's not gonna co-sign your BS. Um, and in early recovery specifically, that's why we teach them so much while they're living in McShen, you know, is you just gotta take someone with you that's in recovery, that's safe because if you take someone that's new in recovery and you have like 30 days and they have like 30 days, that's probably not a good idea. Really try to take someone that has a little bit longer, you know, recovery time or a family member that is going to hold you accountable um, and really talk about it. Like that's a lot of like why people have a recurrence of use is like we hold it in and we don't talk about it. So really talk, find safe people that you can talk about it. And like 12 step now since COVID there's Zooms all over the world. So yeah. you can go to a 12 step meeting all over the world, you know, via Zoom at na.org, aa.org. You can look those up. Um, but there's a ton of stuff online now. So if it's like you're in a predicament just pull up your phone go to zoom hit the zoom and jump on a meeting um but if you need a human like you need to find you know safe people to be around but you got to talk about it because that that is the biggest thing is like holding it in and then you just kind of say f it and go and and you go and use yeah yeah um so lastly if you could share a comment of hope for those who are battling addiction, but also those, the loved ones who are watching this battle take place? Sure. I mean, the biggest thing is never give up either or the, the family member or the, the person addicted, like never give up, keep fighting. This is your life. Like this is your life, your one life. This is what I believe in. Other people believe in other stuff. This is fine. You know, this is our one life on this planet. Why not try to have the best life you can help other people? I mean, doing service and living in radical gratitude and all of that is what I try to do on a day-to-day -day basis. And I don't live every day perfectly, but daggone, I am not doing the thing Things that I used to do when I was addicted to drugs. I'm a good person. I'm a great mom, wife, sister, friend, CEO, author, like all of these things. It's because of recovery, because I stopped using drugs and really learned how to love myself and being able to live with myself and the human that I am and forgive myself for all the things that I did. So just never give up. Keep on keeping on. Um, yeah. And love yourself and recovery rocks. Wow. Well, can you give us, like, if somebody wants to get in contact with you just sure. to get either advice or if they're in your area and they want to check out McShin, so how would they go about doing that? Sure. My email is just easy, honesty at org. You can go to org, our website, um, social media, Facebook is McShin Foundation and Honesty Liller. And then my Instagram is Diary of a Woman in Recovery. Wow. Well, honesty, I really appreciate your honesty and I appreciate you being here. Thank you so much. Thank you. Thank you for having me. This was great. Thank you. Thanks for listening to this episode of Mature Allure. For more information about us, visit matureallure.net and get social with us on Instagram and YouTube at mature.allure, Facebook at for mature allure, and Twitter at mature underscore allure. Till next time, we encourage you to stay positive, embrace who you are at every stage of your life, 
and always tap into your mature allure.